0: Hi there, it's Richard from the 10 Adventures Podcast, and you're in for a treat this week. I'm on hiatus exploring Asia and the Middle East, and this means you get to listen to one of our favorite podcasts from our first hundred episodes. I hope you enjoy it. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. On this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast, we're going to hear about an epic canoeing adventure that took three years to cross from Vancouver to Sydney, Nova Scotia. With us today are Carol Vanden Engel and Glenn Green, who undertook this enormous journey to raise money for Canoe for Change. Hi, Carol and Glenn. Good morning, Richard. Hello. First off, how do you come up with an idea to canoe across Canada? I remember reading about the voyageurs and the trappers for the Hudson Bay going down to you know Hudson Bay or Montreal every autumn, uh, but I never thought I'm going to try and do a similar journey. You guys did. What started this, uh, this incredible idea?
1: Richard, Carol and I are no strangers to the outdoors. We enjoy uh, being outdoors. We enjoy hiking, snowshoeing, backpacking, skiing, anything that gets us outdoors. We've done many trips over the years that have taken us out of the country. We've hiked in Portugal, into the Grand Canyon. And in one instance, we were uh, hiking in the Mojave Desert. And uh, during this hike, a sandstorm came up and blew down our tent. So um, it was early in 2017 and we came to the realization, our real passion, and it always has been and always will be, is paddling. And we thought, why are we walking through sandstorms when we can be on the water and paddling? So we started with this thought and we said, we got to make it a reality. Let's do an epic canoe trip and let's go across Canada. We put the wheels in motion, uh, we retired early, and then we uh, proceeded to do the planning for this big adventure.
0: Wow. And if, had you ever done a, a paddling trip that even approached, you know, this long? You know, what had been your longest uh, trip before embarking on this? Well, prior
1: to this, we probably have been out the longest uh, 14, 20 days. So this was of significant magnitude and
0: logistics to uh, put together. And so for people who maybe aren't familiar with, you know, how big Canada is, how, how long, like how many kilometers did you guys paddle to, you know, to undertake this, this journey?
1: Yeah, this, uh, this trip uh, for us was 8,515 kilometers. And uh, we did it over the course of three years. Um, We started 2017, it was Canada's uh, celebration of 150th year in Confederation. So we decided it would be fitting to leave from the nation's capital of Ottawa and uh, paddle east to uh, Sydney, Nova Scotia. Uh, The following year, 2018, we uh, loaded up our gear and our canoe and put ourselves on the train and uh, headed out to Vancouver did our first major portage through Pacific uh, Union Station in Vancouver and uh, paddled as far as the season would take us before uh, winter uh, encroached, and that was uh, Fort Francis, Ontario. And then in 2019, we uh, took up the charge, uh, uh, starting out at uh, Fort Francis, paddled back to Ottawa, and then... um, subsequently we had to paddle back home to Kingston which is south of Ottawa for those listening and viewing that uh, uh, want a geography outline of where we are we're in Kingston Ontario here. And so
0: the the first question uh, I thought of when I when I first heard of your journey is how did you get over the Rockies? <laughs> I looked I saw I've realized now I saw some photos on your site but can you just tell us how you went over this you know 1,000 kilometers of mountain ranges that kind of go between Vancouver and Calgary?
1: Surprising. uh, Not a lot of people put that question to us, but uh, excellent question. Yeah, so before we left, we knew the logistics uh, and what uh, was ahead of us, but we wanted to make it a true coast-to-coast paddle on our own steam, however we did it. We made it with our canoe to uh, Hope. Uh, British Columbia, where we pre-arranged before we left to acquire a couple of uh, used uh, mountain bikes. Even though we did this uh, paddle coast to coast, this is our retirement cruise. So we wanted to uh, see Canada and enjoy as much as we could and do some things uh, uh, and cross them off our bucket list that uh, uh, have always been sitting there. So with the uh, acquisition of these uh, mountain bikes, uh, we decided to... Uh, put our canoe in storage uh, to retrieve it later. But we were going to cycle the Kettle Valley Rail Trail System. And uh, it's a recreational trail. Uh, used to be a, a former railway line, but it's converted for recreational use. And uh, then we uh, cycled um, to uh, Nelson, British Columbia, where we... Um, uh, went and retrieved our canoe to start uh, paddling um, from Nelson. So we uh, actually uh, more or less walked over the Rocky Mountains. And breaking it down, it was how many? How many? Km? Yeah,
2: we uh, bicycled for about 400 k and uh, paddled for I think about 300, and then uh, about 400 kilometers of walking. So we uh, went through Crow's Nest Pass to the top of the great divide and then it was downhill all the way to Alberta. Yeah. So that took a number of weeks to do that. It took us a long time to get across BC, but we knew that. So uh, it was a challenge. We, we uh, had lots of blisters on our feet, went through a pair of sandals and shoes Yeah. because <clears throat> we were pushing and pulling so much weight. We were pushing and pulling about 240 pounds of, um, Supplies in our canoe, so we had all our gear loaded in the canoe, and we just um, we just did it that way because we really wanted to to you know to cross Canada on our own steam, so that's that's how we did it.
1: And we were really happy to
0: reach that uh, at continuous water source in Alberta.
2: Cool off our blistered feet in the water. <laughs>
0: It reminds me of these Antarctic explorers that would be, you know, hauling these sledges to the South Pole. Uh, It just must have been, you know, on hot days, just, you know, uh, really tough. Like how many kilometers would you go in a day when you're actually hauling or pushing the canoe?
2: We had to work into it. So the average probably we tried to do was 20 kilometers. And it was a bonus if we did more. And uh, even if we did less, it, it didn't really matter. We weren't really in a hurry. So that's uh, that's about that's about it yeah, yeah it was
1: uh one step at a time you know just put one <laughs> foot in front of the other and uh you, you you can't complain or you can't uh grumble uh you just put up with it and do it
2: we became kind of a novelty on the on the highway crows when we were going over crow's nest pass because people we driving back and forth to work and then the Um, people would slow down their car and they would just look and we always waved. Every, didn't matter who it was, we always waved. And then we'd see them coming back from work. They would, you know, wave back. And then the next day we would see them and then they would continue to wave. And then the day after we would see them now they're honking and waving. And eventually uh, they'd
1: stop and say, what are you doing? Where are you going?
2: Yeah. And I've
1: seen you for days on the road.
2: And they would bring us coffee or fruit or, you know, muffins and cookies. And <laughs> so it was, it was, they became part of our family almost.
0: And then obviously, you know, you, you have some, some, some big descents in uh, coming out of the Rockies. I've done a little bit of whitewater canoeing in my life, but never with a 250 pound uh, weighted down canoe. What was it like going down some of these rapids in, uh, you know a uh, really full canoe
1: we're not white water people so we uh we tend to stay on the flat easy water because we didn't want to uh to have any mishaps um and so we were uh, very careful on uh,
0: how we navigated and what we navigated as you went uh, uh out of the rockies you know, my kind of view is it's, you know, pretty flat all the way out to, uh, Ontario. Is that actually what it is or, or what's it like, uh, for someone who's, who's canoed that entire section?
1: We, we did the research before we left and we didn't realize this because, uh, my perception of the, uh, prairies, um, was it, was flat, barren, um uh, went for miles without uh, any vistas, but, um, Along the old man, the South Saskatchewan, which came into the Saskatchewan River, it was it was just like a gorge cut through the prairies. I never knew this existed, and um, I'm glad we had the opportunity to experience it and see it. And uh, with the coolies and the canyons, it was uh, it was uh, quite breathtaking, and uh, uh, never a dull moment. Uh, there was always uh, uh, great scenery to
0: see and wildlife that. Uh, were abundant along the shoreline. And so once you got over the mountains, what was a typical day on the water for you? So a
2: typical day um, on the water, we usually got up with the sun and we always made time to have a cup of coffee in our little camp chairs and watch the sun come up. From the time we would get up in the morning to the time we got into our canoe, it took about an hour and a half. So we would have breakfast and, and uh, pack up. We had quite the routine going and every day it was the same basically. And then we'd hit out in the water. So we never really had a typical day. Sometimes it was always windy, but sometimes we had calm weather and uh, we could make great distance. The average I would think um, of paddling in one day would be about um, eight hours. uh, And we would cover depending on the wind and the conditions anywhere from six kilometers to 60 kilometers. So average, maybe 30, something like that, when we were out in the water. Sure enough, at lunchtime, when we were ready to have a little break, we always saw a perfect place to camp, but it was always too early, so we had to keep going. And, um, you know, by the end of the day, we would uh, look for a spot to camp. And this was something that I was really concerned about before we left, because I thought, where on earth are we ever going to camp? You know, all the way across Canada but it wasn't really a worry once we got started because we always found a spot to camp on the side of the river, on a lake, even in the city, we camped in city parks. And, um, sometimes it was on, on uh, private property, but we would always ask before, we see if we could find someone that was a landowner. So we uh, would ask permission and then we cooked up our fantastic meal of dehydrated food. And, um, and usually went to bed when the sun went down. And that was a necessity was a because
1: you were just yeah. exhausted from the from the day. Mm-hmm. But uh, Richard, we practiced uh, no trace camping. Uh, yeah, wherever we were, it was cleaner uh, when we left than when we got there. Absolutely.
0: That's. I think that's a really important part. I know here in the last few years in the Rockies. As people have been getting into the outdoors, it seems that message is being lost and you go into some backcountry campgrounds and it's, you know, beer cans and trees have been ripped down and partially burned. And it's um, uh, it's really sad to see because, you know, the reason we all love nature is because it's so clean and pristine. And uh, to see some people go and destroy it is 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 really tragic. Uh, I'm interested in, in your dehydrating because I saw some of your recipes and um, it's something I've gotten into the last few years and it just makes so much sense for canoeing, but also for backpacking. And you look at the price of one of these dehydrated meals is 10 or $15. Can you tell us a little bit, or maybe just share some tips about dehydrating when you're doing a, a longer trip?
2: Well, very important to have a large dehydrator um, to do great great quantities of food And uh, always try to buy fresh food. So we always scour markets and, you know, local um, areas, farmers, markets, and things like that to buy our fresh food. When we do process the food, we usually use a a grater. So the smaller, you know, the the product on the trays, on the dehydrator, the better. With consistency. With consistency. So. Um, and start early because there's a lot of food to dehydrate. So we've done everything from spaghetti sauce to carrots to beef jerky. It's very time consuming, but it's it's worth it. Oh, because it's worth it. it. it is a lot, it's a lot lighter to carry and it dehydrates well. And once you have a good variety of vegetables and fruit and you know different kinds of things that that you love to eat, then once you dehydrate it, you can kind of create all these different meals at camp.
1: Spice, so spice it, spice it up,
2: spice it up, and yeah, yeah. Our meals at the beginning were really bad, but towards the end of the trip, they were actually you know pretty creative, pretty, pretty good.
0: <laughs> Is there one meal you think back of like, oh, that's the best meal we did?
2: We have a pasta dish that we really enjoy. And um, it's with dehydrated peppers, olive oil. We even dehydrated olives and um, sun-dried tomatoes and things like that you would put into it. And that was probably our favorite yeah, that's, meal. That's yeah. pretty nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: That does sound good. You know, thinking back on the trip, is there a moment or just like a feeling you'd regularly get that really defines the trip for you? A couple of moments.
1: Uh, one was when we started to start the trip in 2017, um, we, um, took our granddaughter our eldest granddaughter who was eight at the time. And she spent the first four days with us, um, down the Ottawa river. Um, and then we had her parents pick her up, but you know, that's something that will stick with her uh, for the rest of her life. And, uh, uh, I think we had great satisfaction in, in, in taking uh, a youngster and uh, um, experiencing that with them. But at the end of that first day, uh, we'd only completed, uh, I think, uh, 10 kilometers. And I thought to myself, "Oh, well, we only have uh, 8,490 more kilometers to go. <laughs> Then uh, at the end of the trip, three years later, coming back to that same location, um, I just uh, kept replaying uh, over my in, in my mind what we had experienced in over the past uh, three years. Our granddaughter was waiting uh, for us on the shoreline where we had started, uh, actually a little ways uh, before we finished. And we picked her up and uh, crossed the finish line with her to complete the journey. But... Uh, we both had uh, extreme um, memories, good memories uh, of events that took place, and yet we could write a book on. Uh, oh, wait, If we could write a book on uh, on the things that we've uh, we've done. It's just amazing. You've not, not truly seen Canada until you've seen it from the water.
2: Yeah, it, it once you're out for a couple of weeks and you've got the. Um the rivers in front of you and these huge massive lakes like Lake Superior and the Northumberland Strait paddling on the ocean, you get a sense of freedom. You don't we never had a plan in place. We um, just got up and then we just you know decided when we were going to leave and it was just the open water for us or the open road if we were portaging. But um, you get an incredible sense of freedom and you kind of forget about everything except for, you know, enjoying nature and enjoying the moment. Being in fresh air, we were fortunate to have great weather. So we uh, really appreciate it every day.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you have a great sense of accomplishment uh,
0: when you do that. I think just having the freedom is, you know, I do a lot of uh, uh, backpacking trips. And really, you know, you don't have the phone. You don't have the schedule. And uh, the best part is when you don't even have, you know, a place to go. You know, in Canada, you have to kind of book your backcountry campgrounds. But in parts of Europe, you can just go walk and you know, there's a mountain hut every two or three hours, and you don't necessarily know where you're even going to go. And there's just a, a sense of freedom to have nowhere to go, but you're going you're going somewhere. Um, I'm really interested in, in, in your lake uh, canoeing, because I've always been under the impression that canoeing in the Great Lakes is, you know, really difficult with waves and, and whatnot. I have no idea, though. This is just things I've picked up. Is it a challenge to canoe in, um, like in Lake Superior? Was it a challenge to deal with the, the weather and the waves?
1: On the larger bodies of water, Richard, you you really have to be aware of the weather. Um, Lake Superior, uh, it's a uh, a vast lake. It's extremely cold. Uh, If you do capsize, hypothermia could set, even in the summer, hypothermia could set in um, within minutes. But You have to be respectful of the weather. Uh, The weather is forever changing. And of course, with wind, the weather waves. uh, So uh, you have to be ready to react and uh, know where you can take safe harbor uh, at a moment's notice. But uh, we had our canoe, uh, it was a 17 and a half um, prospector configuration, but we had it outfitted for the trip with a uh, a splash deck, a uh, North Water splash deck, and uh, we're glad we had it. It repelled some of the bigger waves and uh, gave us a little protection from the wind when we were on the water. And of course, it it uh, encapsulated our uh, our our gear. Big water uh, versus uh, rivers, uh, quite quite a different paddling experience, but uh, uh, something that. Uh, it is most enjoyable,
2: and then with every every different body of water, for example, the ocean. You know, you're you're canoeing on swells, so you're getting used to the uh, motion of the swell. So you adopt a uh, paddling technique that's beneficial for that for that uh, water um, activity. And then on on small lakes, um, it's just the or shallow lakes like Lake Winnipeg. The, um it's a shallow lake, so the waves are shorter and closer together. And that is just harrowing to, to paddle through. Um, and then, of course, you know, rivers are different again. And currents, you know, coming from rivers into lakes, you always have to be wary of that as well, because that creates a whole different kind of challenge.
1: Challenge, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Carol knows what she's talking about. She steered the canoe right across Canada. I was at the front with a big... Uh, big beaver paddle, uh, doing the wheelhouse action and Carol did the finesse and the steering and really good navigator.
0: (laughs) I think canoeing, I've always done it with my wife and it it always is a good team. You know, you have to work together and, and it's actually really good just for communicating because you're, you're really having to work in, in tandem. And so, uh, uh, I th- I always think it's, 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 it's a good way to build a, a relationship and communication because you have to listen to the other person. Otherwise you're going to, you're going to capsize, well, at least on, on, on Whitewater.
2: Yeah. You can't get away from each other. No. You know? <laughs> yeah. You really have to work as a team and not everyone, not every couple can do that, but Glenn and I are pretty compatible, much like you and your wife, Richard. And, um, you know it's uh you really have to work as a team, and you can't you know if you do have a problem you solve it because um you know if you just sink together or you know, yep. swim together or sink alone yeah basically so it's um it's very important to work out those little you know disagreements that you have
0: on a journey like this that takes place over you know three years. Was there a moment or moments where you just thought, you know, is this worth it? You know, what are we doing? Let's let's go do something else.
1: We're kind of committed to do this because at the onset, we decided to do this as a fundraiser. We thought others should benefit. If we were going to enjoy the trip, others should benefit. So we did uh, raise funds and awareness for a local hometown charity. So we had that pressure uh, behind us that uh, all these people were wanting us to succeed and, and uh, push on. But, you know, aside from that, I, I don't think I would give it up for anything. It was, it was fun. Even the days that weren't fun, I kept saying to Carol, let me know if we're not having fun and we'll turn around and paddle back home. But, you know, it was fun. It was a good experience.
2: Yeah, I think you just have to have a passion for the outdoors. You have to have a passion for for um, paddling and, and, you know, doing adventures like that. And we're by no means experts or anything like that. We just saw the journey and we had a little bit of determination and took one day at a time. And it's amazing what you can do when you put your mind to it. Even at our age, at 60, you know, it's it's you don't have to be 16 to do this. You can, you know, if you're healthy and if you're able if you have to have the it, right yeah. mindset, then you can do whatever you put your your mind to.
0: I see people that they all often say, "Well, I'm too old to to go try backpacking, or I'm too old to go on a walking tour." Or, you know, I've seen people that have run 800 kilometers across the Alps, and they were in their 80s. And I remember I was struggling into a hut, and all of a sudden, this 80 year old guy, and the first thing he does, he lights up a cigarette. Then yeah. <laughs> he's, you know, and you just think, well, if this guy is going to be able to run across the Alps, I sure as heck can walk across them. Um, but it is, yeah. You know, we all we all have these preconceptions is, oh, well, now you have to, you know, go on a cruise and, you know, kind of be sedate. Um, but if you want to do it, you know, you just have to have the desire and and be pragmatic and prepared, and and you can do do anything.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It's, it, we're too early in life to put our slippers on.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then paddling across Canada too, or portaging. Uh, something that stands out in my mind is the the kindness and generosity of fellow Canadians. It was it was something that we never really expected, but it was amazing the people that reached out to us and you know yeah invited us into their homes, complete strangers. Someone even gave us their car to go and buy groceries downtown, you know. And uh, the amount uh, of
1: trust there. But I mean, where yeah. are we going to? How are we going to get away? We just got a canoe, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but still you know it yeah was, it was it wonderful was very heartwarming yeah yeah
0: so carol glenn glenn talked a little bit about what he was thinking coming in to uh to kingston at the end but what were you feeling at the end of this you know your last day paddling paddling to complete this journey
2: i was happy to to finish paddling across canada but then on the other hand it was kind of you know um bittersweet because i I didn't really want it to end. I I wish we could have kept going basically, but it was an incredible sense of accomplishment. You know, something that we set out to do that we actually, we actually did. And all the experiences, um, made, made me grow more as a person, I think, and made me, um, not be overwhelmed by perhaps the little things of life anymore and, um, <clears throat> be more, um, I don't know. You can cut that out in the video.
0: (laughs) It's it honestly, you know, there's this feeling, uh, uh, and talking to other people who do long journeys, there's this feeling when you're done where uh, you've changed, but you don't know how you've changed, or you feel like when you're on a trip you're gonna have this great realization, and you end up, you know, day after day, week after week, month after month, you never have that realization. But when you're done, something's happened. But you don't know what. But it, your life is changing. It is. It's hard to explain or put into words. So I can I can sympathize because I still don't know how to put put that into words either.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah perfect. Because people do ask us that, and you you have changed a bit. Not really, but you can't really put it into words. What what's what's changed? Sure, there's that sense of accomplishment, but you know it, it makes you feel good inside to you know to be able to experience nature like you did and become more aware of our surroundings and, and the environment.
1: I think in some of, some of the situations that you are put into on a long trip, uh, and you overcome them, and uh, then when you get back into the real world, uh, things don't seem so monumental. So they're not a big issue or something to worry about or fret about.
0: That is a perfect uh, a way to explain it because you're right. You know, you have a major issue, you know, <laughs> your canoe goes down the river or you, uh, we talked to, to one fellow, uh, all his food, his cooking gear got stolen and he was in the middle of nowhere. You, that's something that's really hard to solve, but most stuff day to day is, is annoyances or, you know, things we have to deal with, but they don't have an impact of, Oh, I might go hungry or I might not be able to, you know, I might, my life might be at risk. Um, So uh, you guys, I would, you don't characterize yourself as experts. I would say after uh, canoeing across Canada, uh, uh, I will, I will uh, characterize you as, as canoeing experts. So what's one big tip? So someone who's thinking of they're doing a bit of paddling, they want to do a longer trip. What's, what's your number one tip for somebody who's going to go do their first longer canoe trip?
1: Uh, I would say that you don't look at the big picture but enjoy the moment that you're experiencing every day. Uh, I'm, if you can do that trip and don't feel that you're on a time restricted mode or a work mode where it's nine to five and you, you're, you're structured that way, uh, but just let it go and enjoy the moment and take what life, what the adventure throws at you and absorb it and enjoy it
2: and I think also being very well prepared makes a big difference too. you know having your food um, dehydrated um, make sure that you have the right equipment we did a lot of research into you know what kind of tent we needed for a longer trip you know what kind of environment we were going to paddle through whether it was hot or dry or rainy you know, you have to have a great raincoat. Don't don't get wet. You'll just get too cold and exposed, and that could lead into trouble. Um, get off the water when when it's uh, it's you know it gets too rough. It's, when you
1: don't feel comfortable, don't go. I like, think
2: that's it's a big one. Be safe. Yeah. Even if it's you know even if you're on a on a timeline and you need to do 20 kilometers that day, if you get into a, a tight situation with high waves starting to cap get off the water. It's, it's not worth the risk of capsizing or losing all your stuff, all your, you know, your food and, and camp equipment in the middle of nowhere. So it can happen. Yeah. But, um, uh, being prepared for that makes a big difference and give you peace of mind.
0: And excellent. I think that's a really good message. It's on one hand, be prepared and be safe on the other half, savor every moment. Don't get into, uh hitting agendas or metrics. Uh, I really enjoyed uh hearing about your trip and gaining this insight and it, it makes me want to get out in the water here this this summer once all the snow is gone, but it's still snowy. Thank you very much for uh for taking the time to be on the podcast today. Thank you, Richard, for uh letting us talk.
2: Yes, thank you very much, Richard. It's our pleasure.
0: And if people want to learn more about your trip or some of your tips on dehydrating, they can go to www.canoeforchange.ca. There's lots of really uh, great photos and more information about the trip and also some great uh, tips for kind of backcountry or canoeing meals. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10 adventures.